WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 4th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, warm, high 82. Tonight, an overnight clear, low 60. And then tomorrow, partly cloudy, high 75. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 63 and clear in Yonkers up in Westchester County, 61 and clear in Bordentown down in New Jersey, and it is 64 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and Friends in the morning. The play for chairs here every morning. I... I don't know if each year I get older, I get shorter, or the chairs just don't work right. But I can't find a chair, because I'm short. I can't find a chair that actually puts my entire body on top of the desk. You know what I mean? So, like, in other words, I have to reach up my arms to reach the top of the desk so I can type. And uh, I think maybe I'm just getting shorter. I guess that's possible. So there has to be this. You have to see what's going on here. This trading of chairs so I can get one that's high enough and somebody else can get one that's comfortable. Every day it is a show. Um, maybe I need a platform. I think that's what I'm going to ask them for. is like a wooden platform at my desk. And then I won't care what chair I'm sitting at. I just need to be above the desk. Otherwise, you know, I'm slouching. My arms don't reach. My neck hurts. Anyway. That's not why you tuned in. Congress, why is it so crazy what is going down in D.C.? I mean, we are seeing things uh, that we've never seen in the history of Washington, D.C. If you were under a rock, uh, Kevin McCarthy removed as a House Speaker yesterday. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Only one bang. I would have banged the hammer a couple more times. That was a big deal. McCarthy called for a vote on his speakership after Florida Congressman Matt Gates put forward this motion to vacate the chair yesterday. A handful of Republicans, and that's all it took, joined Democrats to oust McCarthy. Here's Matt Gates, who started this all. Kevin McCarthy has made multiple contradictory promises, and when they all came due, he lost he lost votes of people who maybe don't even ideologically agree with me on everything. Yeah, Gates railed against McCarthy, failing to rein in government spending, breaking promises he made to conservatives backed in January. Remember, it took him 15 votes to become House Speaker, so he had to make a lot of promises. And uh, Matt Gates says he broke most of those. Absolutely not. I have no desire to be Speaker. Of- yeah, Gates says he does not want the Speaker job, but he says Steve Scalise, he's from Louisiana, would be a great choice for Speaker of the House. At most, we're approaching halftime. Uh, we've got to be able to assemble a governing coalition. We have to build from a place of trust. I would give him the deference to be able to decide whether or not he'd like to put himself forward as a candidate, but he'd be the type of person that I could I could see myself supporting. Yeah, there he is talking about Steve Scalise. So everybody, of course, weighing in. We tried to find the biggest and better, most best moments of yesterday. Uh, there were a lot of Republicans, as you might guess, who are mad at Matt Gates or for doing this yesterday, for pushing forward this vote to oust uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. One of them, Republican Tom Cole from Oklahoma. The overwhelming majority of my party 
supports the speaker that we elected. We're proud of the leadership he's shown. He did the right thing, I think, for this institution. He showed it could function in a time of crisis. Yeah, so Tom Cole says he has no regrets backing McCarthy, and he said he'd even back him if he ran again. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be pretty proud of the people I fought with, and I'm going to be extraordinarily proud of the person I fought for. All right, so you're saying, no, what does Kevin McCarthy think about all this? Well, he held a press conference last night, says he will not run again for Speaker of the House. So I may have lost a vote today, but as I walk out of this chamber, I feel fortunate to have served the American people. I leave the speakership with a sense of pride, accomplishment, and, yes, optimism. Yeah, it seems like a job that is uh, just hard to please everybody. Very tough job. Uh, North Carolina Congressman Patrick Mahenry, now the acting speaker until a new speaker election is held, and it's not really clear when that's going to happen. I do not regret negotiating. This is McCarthy. Our government is designed to find compromise. I don't regret my efforts to build coalitions and find solutions. I was raised to solve problems, not create them. And finally, he said during this press conference yesterday, yeah, not interested in the gig anymore. Don't even put me up for a vote. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. I hope you realize that every day I did the job, regardless whether you underestimated me or not, I wanted to do it with a smile. And in his first act as acting speaker of the House, North Carolina Congressman Patrick Mahenry ordering Speaker Nancy Pelosi to vacate her Capitol office. Uh, some people, of course, entertained by this. Others thought, you know, this is just kind of dopey. But McHenry's office sending a message to Speaker Pelosi saying her Capitol hideaway office was being reallocated for Speaker office use and that she has to move out ASAP, meaning like today. She's actually not even in Washington. She's in California for the funeral of former Senator or well, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who died last Thursday. Pelosi firing back, calling the move a sharp deport. Departure from tradition, uh, just among all the crazy scenes in Washington during the course of yesterday. Uh, were you listening to Katz and Cosby yesterday, five o'clock? Of course, it all broke right before they came on the air yesterday. One of the people weighing in on this is former New York Congressman Anthony Weiner, who, by the way, does a fantastic show here from two to five o'clock right here on Saturday, 77 WABC. And he says no matter how you look at what took place yesterday, none of this is good for Republicans, Democrats, no one. Look, this is divided government. Democrats and Republicans are going to have to work together at some point. The fact that Kevin McCarthy got punished today because he had the audacity to put just in a budget extender on the floor, he's going to have to use some Democratic votes. So, I, I mean, look, you would think politically chaos would be good for Democrats, and it probably is. But I can't help being a little bit sad for the country. This doesn't happen every day because usually the two parties divide up. They choose their leaders and then they do ideological battle. McCarthy seems to have been the victim of a personal vendetta here more than anything else. It does sort of seem like that. All right. So here's the people who are on the short list. And this could completely change in the next 24 hours. But Steve Scalise, the congressman for Louisiana, seems like a lot of people would like him to be House Speaker. Uh, you have Tom Emmer. He's the um, House Republican whip. Uh, Jim Jordan, the uh, head of the House Judiciary Committee, he's on this list. Uh, Patrick McHenry, who's now the uh, House Speaker as they wait to pick another one. And then, of course, the big guy, Donald Trump. There are some people who say they would pick Donald Trump. You don't have to be a member of the House to become the House Speaker. I think that's 
that's a long shot, but uh, his voice, his name is being got being put out there as well. WABC News Time five ten. Let's go down to Baltimore. There was a shooting on a college campus there last night. Police talking about this active shooting event at Morgan State University. Thankfully, no longer active. Baltimore's Police Commissioner Richard Worley speaking to the press early this morning about this gunfire. Five people were hit by bullets. Thankfully, they're all going to survive. And we know there's a total of five victims ages 18 to 22. We believe all have non-life-threatening injuries at this time. There are four males and one female. Um, all victims are being treated and transported by first responders. At least four of the victims are students. The shooting taking place after an annual homecoming event at Morgan State. We did not locate the suspect at this time. Um, the scene remains active, and we are working alongside our many federal law enforcement partners to piece together everything that exactly happened. Baltimore's Mayor Brandon Scott linking the shooting to just a larger crime problem in his city. It reminds us all, again, that we are dealing with not just here in Baltimore, not just at Morgan State University, but across this country of the United States, a epidemic when it comes to guns and gun violence. Now, sir, police are not giving us a lot of details about this, but the gunman in custody, no word on a motive for what started that, all this thing, at least as of 511 this morning. Okay. We've been told by Governor Murphy in New Jersey that he was going to sue to stop the MTA from instituting congestion pricing here in New York come May of next year. That's the toll you'd have to pay to go below 60th Street in Manhattan. Now, Staten Island was planning to sue as well. But as the days go by, it sure looks like this congestion pricing deal is going to go through and the lawsuits may not hold up. So now the question is, how much are we all going to have to pay to drive below 60th Street? The MPA is expected to set a base toll for New York City's congestion pricing plan by the end of this month. There's no definitive fare. However, drivers crossing the GWB will not be exempt from the toll to enter below Manhattan's 60th Street. We're stuck. we got to pay. Those crossing the bridge wouldn't be exempt because it's not in the congestion pricing zone. However, officials say drivers using tunnels under the Hudson and East Rivers will likely get between 4 and $7 off the base congestion fare. The fare could cost between 9 and $23 when it goes into effect next spring. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. All right, let's go back down to Washington. Congress needs to act to ensure there's no disruption in U.S. aid for Ukraine. So says National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. As President Biden made clear, we cannot under any circumstances allow America's support for Ukraine to be interrupted. Time is not our friend. So Kirby talking to reporters yesterday about funding for Ukraine. It was left out of that short-term government funding bill that was passed over the weekend. He says any lapse in support could make all the difference on the battlefield as Ukraine's war with Russia just drags on. We need Congress to act to ensure that there is no disruption in our support. Of course, a lot of what went on in Washington yesterday and taking out Kevin McCarthy had to do with funding for Ukraine. But uh, Kirby pushing back, saying he says most Republicans and Democrats support continuing to support the Ukraine in its war with Russia. Such a lapse in support will make Putin believe he can wait us out, that he can continue the conflict until we and our allies and our partners fold. The vast majority of members in Congress support additional help for Ukraine, and we know and appreciate their statements to that effect. 513, let's stay down in Washington. Student loan repayments, they resumed on Sunday. So if you owe money, uh, it's time to pay up again. Republicans have thwarted attempts to continue a moratorium that began during the COVID pandemic. I don't know of any reason why people can't continue 
to pay their student loans on time. That's Senator John Cornyn out of Texas. He says President Biden acted illegally in forgiving student loan debt. I think people who borrowed the money and who owe the money should pay it back. And the senator says uh, if you took the money out, it's time to pay up and now's the time. The president has acted illegally claiming to forgive student loans that he had no right to, quote, forgive. We are hearing more today from Congressman Henry Cuellar. He's pretty shaken up, but okay. After a carjacking happened on Monday night, about 30 feet from his front door of his Washington, D.C. home, he lives in the Navy Yards neighborhood of Washington, D.C., where many of the lawmakers live. And uh, as he was pulling in, these guys, uh, one with a gun, three in all, uh, told him to get out of the car, and they drove off in his car. As I got out of the car, three guys ran up to me. Uh, I looked to the left, one had a gun. I looked to the right, another one had a gun pointed at me. So he had luggage in the car. They got that. He had his sushi dinner in the car. They took that as well. The uh, Texas Democrat says he has no idea who the three were. He did not recognize them. Uh, the car was recovered, but so far they have not caught up with the three who took you it. Know, I got a black belt in karate, but you quickly analyze the situation. You got to stay calm. I said, here's the keys. You can take off. Yeah, black belt and karate is not going to do much against a gun. Uh, Congressman Cuellar says uh, he thinks they were teenagers, uh, but he's not positive. They had ski master. This were three young punks with guns. Uh, I, I don't think they had an idea who I was. Yeah, now there is talk that maybe there needs to be more security in that Navy Yard neighborhood where so many lawmakers live. Okay, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Uh, Happy Hump Day. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Good morning, Noah Mullet. And we begin here on the Diamond, where the MLB playoffs officially got underway with the wild card rounds beginning yesterday. First off, we had the Texas Rangers linking the Rays in Tampa Bay by a score of 4-0 before the Minnesota Twins protected their home field with a 3-1 win over the Toronto Blue Jays. In the nightcap, the Arizona Diamondbacks opened things up with a 6-3 win in Milwaukee over the Brewers. And capping the action off was the Phillies, beating the Marlins at home by a score of 4-1. Respective game two times for this afternoon and tonight are as follows. The Rangers up a game on the Rays. That'll be... 3 p.m. for Game 2. If Texas wins, they meet the Baltimore Orioles in the ALDS. We've got the Blue Jays at the Twins at 4.30 p.m. If Minnesota wins, they'll meet the Houston Astros in the ALDS. Diamondbacks up a game on the Brewers. That game at Game 2 tonight is at 7 p.m. If Arizona wins, they meet the Dodgers in the NLDS. And Marlins are at the Phillies for Game 2 at 8 p.m. tonight. If Philadelphia wins, they meet the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. And over to the NFL and Aaron Rodgers' weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN. The quarterback only three weeks removed from surgery to repair a torn Achilles tendon said yesterday that he's, quote, well ahead of the normal protocols and hasn't faced any setbacks after traveling back to the East Coast and attending the Jets game on Sunday night. Here's some of what Rodgers had to say. You're back much sooner, moving much sooner than I think anybody could have expected. Do you feel good? And after the movement on Sunday night, do we have any setbacks or is this exactly where we're supposed to be yeah no setbacks from the other night the first goal was really to be able to be upright to be out of a boot and to be able to do some semblance of walking by the time i got back i had this game circled on my schedule i mean i couldn't fly until um, i got cleared uh, again last week with no blood clots and now the next goal is to be able to walk without crutches you know, it's pretty obvious I'm well ahead of my normal protocols when it comes to rehab and this kind of thing. But that's that was always what my mindset was. Rogers will return to his rehab program in California this week before coming back to New Jersey permanently. But no talk about 
coming back sooner, I noticed there, right? He didn't say, remember earlier on, he said, oh, I'll be back before the yeah, season's over. Yeah, right. Not but he, there. But he's implying it. You know, he implies hmm. that uh, that he still holds a, uh, a shred of faith that he could be back this season. But the Jets have to make the playoffs, I think, <laughs> for, that, yeah. for that to happen. They need him back now, <laughs> right. seven weeks from now. Right. Yeah. So that's not, you know, then the Jets aren't going to make the playoffs. So yeah. when's he going to be back? Right. You know, uh, but he'll be back permanently, at least on the sideline, home uh, after that week seven bye that the Jets have. And that's sports. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. Let's go to Lower Manhattan. Former President Trump back in that Manhattan courtroom yesterday. Day two of his civil fraud trial. He spoke before heading into the courtroom like he did on day one. He's been given false information, misleading information, and corrupt information by a very corrupt Attorney Attorney General Letitia James accusing Trump and his family of inflating Trump's net worth, leading him to get better loans and leading to banks taking on bigger risks. The Attorney General seeking a $250 million fine and a ban on Trump's company doing business in New York State. This case should be dismissed. This is not a case. And she should probably be dismissed also. So last week, the judge overseeing the case ruled that Trump had been overvaluing his properties and is liable for fraud. That all taking place is the judge in the civil fraud trial has issued a limited gag order. Laura Jarrett, the correspondent, reports it was Trump's comments on social media that prompted what was a pretty dramatic ruling. Mr. Trump posted a photo of the judge's law clerk posing with top Senate Democrat Chuck Schumer. The judge ordering the post on Truth Social removed. The judge saying the attacks on his staff are not appropriate, will not be tolerated. Judge Engoran has been given false and extremely misleading information about my net worth. Private company, nobody's supposed to know my net worth. The question, of course, is that gag order constitutional? You have people on both sides. This gag order bars all parties in the case from making social media posts or public comments about the judge's staff. 522, let's go down to Texas. A West Texas county has made it illegal for pregnant women to travel on its roads to seek an abortion. Now, abortion's illegal in Texas, but next door in New Mexico, they are legal And so they want to stop people from using those roads to get to New Mexico. Well, this move winning praise from pro-life groups. Pro-abortion forces have become creative and innovative in their efforts to circumvent pro-life laws. We're encouraged that cities are matching that level of creativity. Kim Schwartz is with the Texas Right to Life. She says the law fits with the state's tough new abortion laws, which bans the procedure in the vast majority of cases. Cochran County, it sits on the Texas line with New Mexico, which has become a haven for abortion seekers since abortion became illegal. Legal experts, though, have concerns that this ordinance about driving on roads to get to have that procedure are unconstitutional. Uphold life-saving policies to protect women and to save innocent human lives. We uh, just embrace the uh, creativity of cities and counties trying to be innovative and creative with life-saving laws. Yes, and for right now, it seems more symbolic than anything else because they haven't pulled anybody over. It's not clear what they would do if they did pull somebody over using those roadways to get to New Mexico to have an abortion. 523, let's go overseas. The U.N. Security Council giving the green light for Kenya to send security forces to Haiti. Isabel Nakiria says the force is expected to help the Haiti government combat violent gangs there, which just have come out of hand. Antique, the Bahamas, Bambuda and Jamaica have also offered to send officers for the force. 
more than 2,400 Haitians have been reportedly killed and close to 2,000 people have been kidnapped and injured this year. Haiti's national police has struggled in its fight against gangs with only about 10,000 active officers in a country of more than 11 million people. All right, let's go over to tech, uh, to Germany, rather. Remodeling work has started on a building. Uh, this is actually in Austria, in Salzburg, where Adolf Hitler was born. But in Berlin, Trent Murray says authorities want to convert this building that's no longer in use into a police station, despite some pushback from local residents who want to keep the building as it is. The three-story block is where Adolf Hitler was born in 1889. Plans to turn it into a police station were approved in 2019. Some campaigners have argued turning it into a police station could detract from the historical significance of the site. The building has been owned by the Austrian government since the 1970s. Authorities say they want to avoid it being misused and that using it for law enforcement is appropriate because police are, quote, guardians of civil liberties. Trent Murray, Berlin. 524, ahead of an international gathering of bishops at the Vatican, Pope Francis now leaving the door open to priests being allowed to bless same-sex couples. In Rome, Giles Gibson says the Catholic Church teaches that marriage is only allowed, of course, between a man and a woman. The Vatican has published a letter that Pope Francis wrote in July, replying to five conservative cardinals. In it, he wrote that pastoral charity should permeate all of our decisions and attitudes adding that we cannot be judges who only deny, reject and exclude. LGBT groups within the church say the Pope's letter represents a step forward for their cause. Giles Gibson, Rome. NBA training camp, it began yesterday, giving rookies a chance to flex their muscle. Number one overall pick, Victor Webanyama, is eager to get in his work in. In his new hometown, uh, he's going to play for the San Antonio Spurs. This is the French phenom. It's just been so comfortable to have people welcome you like this. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful, you know. Uh, I'm very lucky. Yeah, so since draft day, the 19-year-old basketball phenom from France has gained 15 pounds. He says it's not, it's not from the Tex-Mex food in San Antonio, which is really good. But he says it is from off-season workouts where he needed to put on weight because... He's he was way skinnier than the average NBA player. I've just been working better than any any other moment in my life, harder, but also smarter. And he says he's really liking his time in San Antonio. He says Spur fans have been enormously welcoming. They treat me like family, even though they don't know me personally. They treat me like, like family, so it's really comfortable and it's a really good place. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what actually happens with him when he starts in the NBA in just a couple of weeks. Uh, stocks. Tumbling yesterday as Treasury yields hit their highest level since 2007. The spike rattling markets as investors worried that higher interest rates could tip the economy into recession. The Dow falling 430 points. S&P lost 58. The Nasdaq yesterday plunging 248 points. The three major averages lost more than 1%, with the Dow turning negative for 2023. An unexpected jump in August job openings added pressure to the market. Uh, Travel-related stocks among the biggest losers yesterday with Carnival Cruise Lines, Airbnb, and Royal Caribbean all down more than 5% yesterday. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 4th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mix of sun and clouds today, high 82. Tonight, an overnight clear, low 62. And then Thursday, partly cloudy, high 75. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 63 and clear up in Yonkers in Westchester County. It is 61 and clear down in Bordentown in New Jersey. And it is 64 and clear right outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour with Bill de Blasio swapping boroughs, the former mayor, a longtime Brooklyn resident, of course, Park Slope, apparently very quietly signing this lease on an Upper West Side apartment near Lincoln Square. The Democrat signing the lease for a one bedroom that they think it has to be at least four thousand dollars because that's the going rate on the Upper West Side. The uh, source saying that de Blasio wanted to try something new, which means maybe he just wanted to get away from his wife in Park Slope, insisting that the change is a temporary thing. Now, you'll remember it was a couple days ago. The New York Post caught pictures of him uh, making out with somebody in a restaurant not just more than two or three blocks away from where this apartment is. So now that all sort of works out, makes sense. Uh, his wife, they're still married, Shirlane McRae, is apparently still in that house in Park Slope. Now, the two are not separating. Uh, you'll remember they made this announcement that they're, just, they're taking a break from each other. I imagine there's a lot of people out there going, wow, how did he pull that off or how did she pull that off? But either way, he says he'll use, apparently he didn't say this, but a source says, you know, he's a big YMCA guy, used to go work out at that YMCA in uh, Park Slope, go from Gracie Mansion each day, work out there, then go to the office. Well, now apparently he has swapped it out. There is a YMCA. I used to live in this neighborhood right on West 66th Street. So apparently that is where he'll work out. But anyway, just so you can keep track, Bill de Blasio now not living in that Park Slope home, at least full time anyway, but living on the Upper West Side in a one bedroom apartment, uh, I guess a bachelor pad of sorts, even though he's still married. Uh, neighbors uh, speaking out. After uh, Craig Ross Jr. was busted, this is that uh, creepy dude from upstate New York who was busted for allegedly kidnapping this nine-year-old girl from a campground there on Saturday evening as she rode her bike. We found out yesterday that he put a ransom note in the uh, mailbox of the family that uh, of this girl and that was how they were able to track him down they found uh, his fingerprints they took his fingerprints off this letter and thankfully he had a dwi from like 2001 and so that's how they were able to track him down assuming they were not home 4 20 in the morning opens the mailbox and inserts the ransom note leaving a critical piece of evidence behind his own fingerprint. Now, police were quick to admit yesterday that if he did not have that crime in the data bank, they're not sure they would have been able to find him so quickly. Thank God he had that DWI. Otherwise, apparently he had not been in trouble before. So now they're going to look to see if this 46-year-old uh, is linked to other crimes. Uh, Carol Brown, she lives right down the road from the location where police found Charlotte Cena hidden in that trailer behind this home. 
Uh, she said she knew something was up Monday night as police raced in, SWAT teams, that kind of thing. I believe with all my heart. Oh, and I should say, she also says that this guy, she recognized him, had approached her grandson not too long ago, and she thought there was something a little bit off about him. And I believe with all my heart after last night that probably my grandson was this close. Yeah, may have been. Other neighbors wonder if Ross has done something like this before, much like the police are wondering. Assuming they were not home. Oh, well, that's not the other neighbors. But uh, police now looking to see if Ross is connected to other kidnappings. And we'll get more information, I imagine, uh, today. There's supposed to be another press conference. Uh, Speaking of missing people, a sad scene playing out on in the Bronx yesterday. A family from Illinois flying into New York. They're looking for their sister, their daughter. Her name is Shamari Brantley. She was last seen in Illinois in late August. Uh, She struggles with mental health problems, disappeared. She had disappeared before, apparently, but not for this long a period of time. And they pinged her and saw that she had made a call, apparently, from the Bronx. So the entire family, and you can imagine why they would do this, they all flew into New York over the last couple of days, and they started handing out leaflets of this woman. She's a grown woman, uh, seeing if somebody had seen her. And they're actually people who said they have seen her. So they're holding out hope that somehow they'll be able to find her. They brush it off like it's not important, and she important to me, you know. I just got on, got a crew of people together with me, and we went and came to New York. We know no one else here. We need the community help with finding my sister. Yeah, so the Brantley family, you can hear, upset there. 800 miles away from home. They have no idea how she'd even get here. But uh, there are people who say they recognize her. She has sort of a funky color hair, and people say, oh, yeah, I've seen that person. If anyone approaches her and sees that she's a little, you know, standoff or skittish, it's because of her mental disorder. Please do not be scared. Call us immediately. Yeah, so the family says the one thing they are upset about is the NYPD, they say, has not cooperated in helping them find her. And they're asking the NYP to do so. They say that might be a way they would find her quicker. WABC News Time 539. Transit ridership up big time. No doubt you noticed if you take the subway or buses, it's a lot more crowded than it has been. And the MTA now zeroing in on a new focus is travel etiquette. Apparently, people are not minding their manners like they used to. And so now there's this whole campaign of pictures and posters. You'll see them everywhere. Social media campaign that asks you to behave. It seems like the obvious thing to do when you're on a subway, a train, or a bus. Hopefully by looking at it and seeing some of the behaviors that we do, we can also, you know, get the sense that we may be using, ruining the experience for um, our other uh, passengers. Yeah, that's the person who's head of uh, courtesy and etiquette for the MTA. Uh, one of the posters says seats are for butts, not for bags. So it's kind of fun stuff um another one says if you don't make the train don't make it wait you know that would be a reference to holding the doors using the speaker phone on their phone and- oh yeah this is so we asked riders um what bothers them about their fellow passengers using the speaker phone on their phone and extra loud conversation that's probably the most annoying yeah that doesn't bother me as much but uh, the new campaign Coincides with this post-pandemic increase in commuters, the MTA recently reporting a record-breaking period for transit ridership. That was um, on September 20th, 4.2 million paid rides on subways. That was surpassing the previous post-pandemic high 
of 4.1. So it really tells you people are back. Uh, commuter railroads the same way. Post-pandemic highs for the LIRR also on September 20th. Uh, and Metro North had a post-pandemic high as well back on September 19th. So they say that's part of the reason they're rolling out this campaign, reminding people, you know, be nice to each other when you're on the train. 541. Mayor Adams heading down south, South America. As hundreds of migrants continue to arrive here in the city, the mayor will essentially trade places with them. Mayor Adams traveling to Central and South America, he says, to better understand conditions at the southern border. Uh, Adams says he's uh, funding the four-day trip himself and will use it to meet with leaders in Colombia, Mexico, and Ecuador. And really start having a, a conversation as cities uh, what can we do better to deal with this crisis? Now, so the mayor's been blaming social media for painting an unrealistic picture of what it's like to be a migrant in the city, saying he's going to tell people who live in these regions about overcrowded shelters and federal labor laws. Now, there was word that they were handing out leaflets at the U.S. southern border in Spanish and English, telling people, don't choose New York because it's so damn expensive and we don't have any more hotel rooms for you. But we couldn't get any proof that they were actually handing out these leaflets. <laughs> we reached out to City Hall, and they wouldn't tell us who was handing them out. So it's not clear they were being handed out. We have pictures of them, so they are real. But the question is whether they're being handed out. With even with about 117,000 migrants have uh, arrived here already from the U.S.-Mexico border for the most part, uh, the mayor trying to stop that uh, because we can't take any more in. We believe the borders should remain open. That's the official position of this city, but we have made it clear there should be a decompression strategy. Coming to New York doesn't mean you're going to stay in a five-star hotel. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that the mere fact you come here, you automatically are going to be allowed to work. But the issue has been is the migrants who arrived here said, hey, we're being treated pretty well. And they're telling family members and friends, everybody's got a phone. Hey, when you get a choice at the border, don't go to San Diego or Los Angeles. Come here to New York. Again, the mayor uh, pointing out a second time yesterday that this is a not a taxpayer fund trip. I'm paying my own way, and yeah. you know my rule, my dime, my time, don't whine. Yeah, okay. 543, New York City holding a day of action today to raise awareness about what it calls the alarming rise in book bans across the nation. This uh, 16-year-old has become an activist for what's a group called Freedom to Read. Banned books teach us the dangers of conformity, of tradition, of accepting common knowledge without examination. They are necessary even if they make us uncomfortable. New York Public Library President Tony Marks says the number of book bans have doubled last two years, saying about half of the bans target libraries, up from about 16% two years ago. So in an effort to increase access, New York Public Library has launched a Books for All National Book Club to make titles available to anybody, no matter where they live. And we know that so many of these books are about race or about LGBTQ especially for teens, but also include classics, books that you just can't understand how this is possible. And also today, New York City kicking off a program in schools aimed at getting students to eat healthier and learn more about eating uh, healthy habits or having healthy habits. Uh, good luck with that. You know, sometimes, you know, you lose votes when you talk about taking away someone's hot dog and pizza and some of those other things, but it's the right thing to do. 
Yeah, that's the mayor yesterday partnering with uh, celebrity chefs, uh, culinary industry professionals, uh, food activists. What is a food activist? Mayor Adams says over the next uh, couple of years, 60 chefs will offer culinary training to school workers. They'll also help them develop skills to prepare plant-based, culturally relevant meals for students developed from scratch. Well, that sounds better than what normally comes out of a cafeteria. If we, in fact, want to change these these health challenges that we have in our society, you have to start as early as possible. Okay, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC sports desk where we find Justin Ellick. If uh, you were offered a healthy meal or a McDonald's cheeseburger when you were about 14 years old, I imagine you would have chosen the cheeseburger. Yeah. Yeah. I still would, actually. Yeah, yeah, maybe me too for that matter. <laughs> no. <laughs> we begin on uh, the diamond here, Gnome, where the MLB playoffs officially got underway with the wild card rounds beginning yesterday. First off, we had the Texas Rangers blanking the Rays in Tampa Bay by a score of 4 to nothing before the Minnesota Twins protected their home field with a 3-1 win over the Toronto Blue Jays in the nightcap. The Arizona Diamondbacks opened things up. With a 6-3 win in Milwaukee over the Brewers and capping the action off was the Phillies beating the Marlins at home by a score of 4-1. to Respective game two times for this afternoon and tonight are as follows. The Rangers are at the Rays for their game two at 3 p.m. this afternoon. Texas wins. They meet the Baltimore Orioles in the ALDS. Blue Jays are at the Twins. Twins up a game there uh, for their game two at 4.30 this afternoon. If Minnesota wins, they meet the Houston Astros in the ALDS. The Diamondbacks up a game on the Brewers. Game two for them, 7 p.m. tonight. If Arizona wins, they meet the LA Dodgers in the NLDS. And finally, here are the Marlins at the Phillies. Phillies up a game at home, 8 p.m. tonight for their game two. If Philadelphia wins, they meet the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS and over to the NFL and Aaron Rodgers' weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN. The quarterback, only three weeks removed from surgery to repair a torn Achilles tendon, said yesterday that he's, quote, well ahead of the normal protocols and hasn't faced any setbacks after traveling back to the East Coast and attending the Jets game on Sunday night. Here's some of what Rodgers had to say. You're back much sooner, moving much sooner than I think anybody could have expected. Do you feel good? And after the movement on Sunday night, do we have any setbacks or is this exactly where we're supposed to be yeah no setbacks from the other night the first goal was really to be able to be upright to be out of a boot and to be able to do some semblance of walking by the time i got back i had this game circle on my schedule i mean i couldn't fly until um, i got cleared uh, again last week with no blood clots and now the next goal is to be able to walk without crutches you know, it's pretty obvious I'm well ahead of my normal protocols when it comes to rehab and this kind of thing. But that's that was always what my mindset was. Yeah, Rogers will return to his rehab program in California this week before coming back to New Jersey permanently after the Jets' Week 7 bye. So look out for Aaron Rodgers on the sideline after Week 7. You know, Joe Nolan says that uh, Zach Wilson is going to surprise everybody mm-hmm. and take this team to the playoffs. They won't need no uh, yeah. return. Sure he will. Yeah. Okay, well, no one's delusional, but that's fine. That's <laughs> we'll fine. We'll find out in a second if that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm Justin Alec Gnome uh, with Sports on 77 <laughs> WABC. All right, let's get you up with the uh, big stories of the morning. A lot of it is the craziness down in Congress. Washington, D.C. yesterday, Kevin McCarthy removed as Speaker of the House. We probably should have seen this coming because... South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace was on with Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning, and that was on Monday, right? Was that Monday? Wait, what's today, Wednesday? Yes, it was Monday. And uh, she actually said that she thought this was a good idea at the time. 
total government shutdown, right? First you had mm-hmm. Republicans versus Democrats. Then you had Republicans versus Republicans. This yeah. guy, Matt Gates is a psycho. You may like him. He's a psycho. He's got to get out. He's killing us. Uh, you know, you got to stop at some point. At the some Matt point, Gates you is stop. right on this. I have to tell you. Oh, there is, there is, no. no. You yes. can't have a government no. shutdown, Nancy. I don't want a government shutdown, but we have a law on the books from 1974, the Budget Impact and Control Act, that says Congress is supposed to have a budget. Congress is supposed to have 12 spending bills every year put out by October 1st, but Congress doesn't follow the law. So how can we ask our fellow Americans to follow the law when Congress will not follow its own laws? I just want us to follow the law. That's what he wants. This should have been done before October. It wasn't, but this is what Congress always does. No matter who's in charge, they have one giant spending bill, no vetting, no amendments, and uh, you know, and you have no time to read it if you had 12 spending bills. Yeah, so she essentially called it. I think mean, she uh, clearly uh, they had been talking about this before she made that appearance with Sid on Monday. And then you led to this moment where Kevin McCarthy was removed as Speaker of the House yesterday. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Yeah, wild moment. McCarthy called for the vote on the speakership after Florida Congressman Matt Gates put forward this motion to vacate the chair yesterday. Now, maybe he knew at that point that he was going to be out of a job. That's not clear. But Matt Gates uh, said that the reason he put forward this vote is that nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. Democrats, Republicans alike. Kevin McCarthy has made multiple contradictory promises. And when they all came due, he lost he lost votes of people who maybe don't even ideologically agree with me on everything. Yeah, so Gates uh, railed against McCarthy for failing to rein in government spending, breaking promises he made to conservatives. Remember, it took him 15 votes to become House Speaker. And you imagine he must have made a lot of promises along the way to make that happen. And Gates says, yeah, you, he didn't follow through on those promises. Absolutely not. I have no desire to be Speaker. Of- yeah, so Gates is not interested in being Speaker, but he says Steve Scalise, the congressman from Louisiana, would be a pretty good choice. At most, we're approaching halftime. Uh, we've got to be able to assemble a governing coalition. We have to build from a place of trust. I would give him the deference to be able to decide whether or not he'd like to put himself forward as a candidate, but he'd be the type of person that I could I could see myself supporting. Now, a lot of Republicans really upset with Matt Gates. One of them is a congressman from Oklahoma, Republican Tom Cole, who said Kevin McCarthy was doing a good job. The overwhelming majority of my party supports the speaker that we elected. We're proud of the leadership he's shown. He did the right thing, I think, for this institution. He showed it could function in a time of crisis. Yeah, and he said he would even vote for Kevin McCarthy if he was put up for House Speaker again. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be pretty proud of the people I fought with, and I'm going to be extraordinarily proud of the person I fought for. Yeah, but Kevin McCarthy yesterday holding a press conference after he was knocked out as House Speaker says he's not going to run again, doesn't want the gig, he's had enough. So I may have lost a vote today, but as I walk out of this chamber, I feel fortunate to have served the American people. I leave the speakership with a sense of pride, accomplishment, and yes, optimism. I do not regret negotiating. Our government is designed to find compromise. I don't regret my efforts to build coalitions and find solutions. Yep. I was raised to solve problems, not create them. So, and then finally, this is where he said, no, you know, I don't want the job. Don't dominate me for it. I'm not interested. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. I hope you realize that every day I did the job, regardless whether you underestimated me or not 
I wanted to do it with a smile. So Patrick McHenry is now the acting speaker until a new speaker election is held. And one of his first act as acting speaker of the House, the North Carolina congressman, ordered Speaker Nancy Pelosi to vacate her Capitol office. McHenry's office then sent a message to Speaker Pelosi, who happened to be in California for California Senator Dianne Feinstein's funeral, uh, telling her that uh, she had to be out by today. Pelosi uh, firing back, calling the move a sharp departure from tradition. Uh, everybody weighing in on this and what it means. I thought it was interesting what former Congressman Anthony Weiner had to say. He was on Katz and Cosby, which, of course, is five o'clock in the afternoon. The other five o'clock were the morning there, the afternoon, talking about how this uh, push to get Kevin McCarthy out and then eventually getting him out is bad, not just for Republicans, for Democrats as well. Look, this is divided government. Democrats and Republicans are going to have to work together at some point. The fact that Kevin McCarthy got punished today because he had the audacity to put just in a budget extender on the floor, he's going to have to use some Democratic votes. So, I, I mean, look, you would think politically chaos would be good for Democrats, and it probably is. But I, I can't help being a little bit sad for the country. This doesn't happen every day because usually the two parties divide up. They choose their leaders and then they do ideological battle. McCarthy seems to have been the victim of a personal vendetta here more than anything else. All right. So the name's being uh, bounced around on the short list of people who could take his place, uh, Kevin McCarthy's place. The As we mentioned, the Louisiana congressman, uh, Steve Scalise, uh, Tom Emmer, he's the House Republican whip. Uh, Jim Jordan, of course, the uh, chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, Byron Donalds, he's a hardline representative, considered a rising star in the Republican Party. And uh, Donald Trump. His name being thrown around as well, I think that's probably a long shot. But uh, some people say you don't have to be a member of Congress to be the House Speaker. So they say he would be, they think, a good choice. All right. What do we got? Just a minute left here. Let's see. What do we end with? Oh, the search is on for two large koi fish statues that are worth thousands of dollars that were stolen from the front of a nursery on Long Island. Sean Rosen, he's the owner of Koi Market in Dix Hills. And he loved these statues. It's not even that they're valuable. He just bought them because they look so fantastic outside of his store. And he says, you just somebody, whoever returned them, they're about uh, eight feet long. They're custom made. He bought them from Indonesia. He said, just return them. I want them back. Terrible. We had just finished this waterfall a couple of months ago, and we built it around Koi. Who would actually take something like this? Because it's not something that you can just put on your front lawn and just... They're like, oh, and just assume that it's just going to be okay and people aren't going to notice. Yeah, the wild part about this story is the fiberglass that they're made of is light, but the statues were mounted with cement, and he thinks in the end they probably weighed about 300 pounds each. So it had to be more than one person who pulled this out of the ground. They don't have cameras there, so nothing was caught uh, on camera. So nobody knows where these statues are. I miss every seeing them every morning. Our goal was to make something epic. We wanted to have something that, like, people stopped to look at. Yeah, well, they're gone. So far, police have no idea where they are.